Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... In fact, that's the entrance to heaven, is putting your trust in him instead of yourself. Sarah did it in Genesis, even when Abraham was being a complete knucklehead. Because it wasn't because she thought, oh, my husband is better than me. No, it was because she was trusting the Lord. And the Bible teaches that the Lord will reward our trust in him as we trust him for eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, but also as we trust Him in the midst of the constant changes in our lives, in the ups and downs of our lives. Today's message discusses marriage and the biblical views on roles and relationships within God-honoring marriages. Pastor Jim harkens back to the relationship between biblical heroes Abraham and Sarah, but focuses on the trust they placed in their Heavenly Father. As every human being does, both Abraham and Sarah failed to live a perfect life. By placing their trust in someone other than their spouse, however, they were able to forgive the mistakes and continue to walk honorably with God. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with part two of his message entitled, Hearts God Sees and Hears, Marriage God's Way. Loki is a character from the Avengers. These people are like, is he going to be like, movies are sinful? What's the deal with that, right? Okay, I've seen the Avengers so many times. I love that scene, right? Loki's just a jerk. The old guy stands up and goes, there'll always be men like you, right? (laughs) It's great, man. And uh, who's the guy in the suit? Iron Man. He comes flying in. The rock and roll's playing. All right, next. Uh, we gotta go. Don't count that against my time. Don't count that against my time. So Loki said this, people long to be subjugated. That's what he said. You humans, you long, after he knocked everybody down, he said, you humans long to be subjugated. What does that mean? You long to be conquered. You long to be completely controlled. Now, that's what a lot of people think that the Bible means that a wife is supposed to be submissive to her husband. Let's logically think about that. If that's what God means by submission, then the Bible is teaching, because what does the Bible teach us? That we're supposed to be kind and loving and caring. Now then here the Bible is teaching, wives, help your husband to sin. I want you to help your husband to be Loki. I want your husband to completely stomp on who you have, I've created you to be. All your giftings, all your talents that I want you to express for the kingdom of God, I want your husband to stomp on them so you know who's the boss. Does that sound like God to you? Does that, seem, does that sound like Jesus to you? Does that, does, that, does that seem right to you? Maybe someday, some guy who's gonna come up, is going to come up to me, and you know I only have one daughter, And he's going to say to me, I would like to marry your only daughter. And I'm not going to say to him, only if you promise to treat her poorly. That's not what I'm going to say. What am I going to say? I have a gun. (laughs) And he'll never know I don't unless you tell him. See, we must be very careful that we're not using other people's definition of the word submission, but we're using God's definition. 
So when people come to you to talk about the faith and they ask you certain questions, you have to say to them, what do you mean by that word? Can you unpack that word for me as you understand it? So if they say, did you believe that a wife should submit to her husband? You're a good Christian. So of course you do. It's in the Bible, right? But you're not, you're not serving your friend well. You have to say to them, what do you mean by that word? And if they're like, well, that means that the husband goes Loki on him, right? You say, no, that's not, that's not what I believe at all. See, submission in the Bible has to do with authority, citizens to the government, employees to bosses. It has to do with leadership. But in the world's mind, submission has to do with cruelty. Now, Bible students, you know this, that Jesus Christ, God become a man, Emmanuel, and his heavenly Father, we say, are co-equal and co-eternal. They are equal. Yet, Jesus lived in submission to his heavenly Father. So what is it? It's a role issue. It's not a value of personhood. Now, it's different in the United States. And a lot of people want to pick on the Bible for this, but we have to go back in history and we have to realize what the Bible was in the cultural context in which it was written. The idea that a husband and wife would be equal would be radical in the ancient world. That would be completely radical. And so here God says to wives in this radical society, radically different than ours, I want you to voluntarily accept the role that I give you. Now, the problem is not the roles. A lot of football fans here, right? And here's the thing. The quarterback gets all the press usually, right? So if you know anything about football, you don't know anything about football, I'm sorry on this, you'll have to ask somebody who does. But do you think the quarterbacks are thankful for the offensive linemen who guard him from the guys who are trying to kill him? <laughs> See, it's a role issue. Everybody is needed. But rather, what's happened in our dysfunctional culture is that per they have established personal uh, value to our roles. And you are valued based upon the role that our cultural says is important. This is why so many people who are doing some of the most important work in our society feel totally devalued. Stay-at-home parents, man. You are preparing the next generation. You are, you are preparing the future. This future will reflect the work that we do. Teachers, you got the little buggers during the day. You are doing some of the most important work in our society. People who take care of the sick, people who take care of the elderly are doing some of the most important work, yet so many of those people feel at times almost worthless because our society dysfunctionally does not put a high value on them. Submission in the Bible simply has to do with relationships in which there is some sort of different roles, different structure, and largely it has to do with, it comes down to, how are our hearts doing in relation to this, which really is how are our hearts doing in relation to God's sovereignty? Remember we said in other places, we may think we're fighting our boss, but we're really fighting God. We may think that we're fighting our spouse, but we're really fighting God. And God's sovereignty in marriage 
gives a heavy responsibility to husbands. To husbands. Do you know? Do you ever hear the expression "the buck stops here"? All right, guys, you might be like, "Well, uh, my wife, you know, she does her thing or something like that." God's going to be like, "Hey, dude, that's not what I said. I'm going to hold you responsible." Now, what does that mean? Does it mean you're dominating? Exact opposite. Exact opposite. Does that mean everything has to be your own way? Exact opposite. Does that mean you always get the remote? No way, Jose. No offense to the Jose's in the audience. No, this is a leadership responsibility. Leadership responsibility. Let me give you how it might work in a Christian marriage. First off, it's a fallback. This is an issue probably in my own personal marriage. I have been married for 26 years. I know for Pam it seems like 100, but I've been married for 26 years. And five times? Maybe five. Now, the time she has come to me and said, I think that God will give you wisdom as my husband in this matter, that's much more frequent. And what would it look like? What would it look like? It's not preference either. It would look like something like this. I'll give you an example. I call it a fallback leadership because we're partners. It might, this, this is not a true story that happened to us, but I've, I've heard of this before. Um, a couple decides, a Christian couple, they decide they're going to go out and buy a house. And they have a budget. And they find a house, man, it's just perfect. I mean, they just love it. But it's $100,000 more than that's in their budget. And they're excited. They find out they can get the mortgage. Okay, so they don't eat or have any furniture for a few years, but they'll deal with it. And they figured out maybe how they could work it. You know, maybe, maybe I'll get a job on Sundays and, you know, the Lord seems to have plenty of money, so I'll cheat him out of a little bit over here. And, and you know, we're going to risk some family time just to have this nicer house. And the husband just comes to the wife and he says, you know, I love the house. I want to give you everything I can because I love you so much. I just don't think this is what the Lord has for us. I just don't think the Lord wants us to go into this massive debt because I don't think it'll be good for our marriage. I don't think it'll be good for our kids. I don't think it'll be good for a lot of reasons. And I know you have your heart set on it, babe. But I just don't think this is what the Lord has for our family. And what does God say to the wife? You trust your husband that I gave that wisdom to him. That's what it looks like. The Bible doesn't tell husbands their responsibility is to make their wives submit. The Bible says, wives, for the Lord's sake, this is one of the ways you follow Jesus. This is one of the ways you walk in his steps. And notice, it's just like Jesus from chapter 2. It's not with words, but it's with action. What is he saying? That if you live this life with action, your husband whether he's a believer or he doesn't believe, is going to see Jesus in action. Because let's be honest. I mean, we know. There's always these 800-pound gorillas in the room. Let's be honest, men with ourselves. One of the big parts of our sinful condition is we hate what seems to be. Notice the emphasis on seems to be that our wives are nagging us. 
That's part of our sinful condition. Because they're not. Sometimes they're just telling us stuff. And we just don't want to hear it. Even the good news of the gospel. So ladies, for you, who, if your husband's not a believer, that's not an easy situation. And I don't mean to joke about it in any kind of... I'm just cracking jokes because I know what's coming is even harder. So, um, <laughs> But here he's saying, listen, you, you don't have to tell your husband about Jesus at every point in your life. Show him Jesus. Peter says, wives, when your husband sees Jesus, when he sees you living for Jesus and in service to your husband, you can bank on this one thing, the Holy Spirit will be preaching. We don't know how the husband will react, but we know the Lord will be speaking. So this service is to your husband, ladies, is not a sin. Remember the religious leader said to the apostles, hey man, you gotta go around and stop telling people about Jesus. And they said, should we obey Men rather than God? When there's a conflict, you obey God. And I know this is hard for a lot of you ladies whose husbands aren't Christians because your husband says, I don't like the idea that you're off in that church on Sunday mornings. But you know what? God has commanded his people to gather. And so at that point in time, we have to obey the Lord. And please understand this. I say this with all love. If you're not coming to church and being filled with the word of God, That is a disservice to your husband. Because if you're not filled with Jesus, how is he going to see the Jesus that's inside of you? This is not the relationship of of a servant and a master. This is not like, hey, me man, you woman, chips, dip, and football, right? (laughs) That's not it. This is not a citizen in the government. This is not like, all right, babe, I'll let you vote once a year on, you know, what you want. (laughs) And you choose the ballot. That's not what that is at all. This is not a parent-child where children are supposed to be submissive in that way, obey exactly what their parents say. Submission in a marriage is a service of love. And I think one reason God uses this word is he wants us not to be angered by it, but to see how rebellious all of our hearts are towards this word, and to, to, but also to let us know how serious he is. So wives, in verse 1 and 2, submission is more of what you do than what you say. It shows the beauty of the Lord to your husband. Now the heart that God sees is not just the beauty of behavior, it's also the beauty of character. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Now let's just stop there for one second. Do you know that some Churches teach, and again, most of the churches that are really good, they read the Bible carefully. They read it in the context of the book of the Bible it's written in, the context of what's being said, of context of the Testament, context of the whole book. But there are some people who say that women cannot fix up their hair nice, and they can't wear jewelry, or they can't look good, and this is the verse that they use it for. Now, the reason they do it is, if you recall, and we talk about reading the Bible, that in, when you see the Bible, a word in italics, it means that the translators put it in either to confuse us, or actually not really. Sometimes it does, though. They put it in to help us to understand it better. So some people would say, if you take the italics out of this, and this is manuscript evidence, if you take the italics out of this, you'll get our point. So this is what they would say to me, a guy like me, who disagrees with them. Do not let your adornment be outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold. 
Let's stop right there. So if you take out the word merely, they say, look, don't let it be outward of the way you do your hair and wear gold. So, ladies, you don't come in with your hair like a rat's nest and don't look good. But then it goes on. He says, and you got to take out the italics word, or putting on apparel. Is he saying walk around naked with your hair looking terrible? (laughs) Now, we're not doing this. But man, would we pack them in. (laughs) Like, you hear what's going on at the naked church up in Dover? (laughs) All right, we're not doing that. But we got to take some of these things seriously, which we're not doing right now. Verse (laughs) 4, rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible, some of your versions say imperishable, beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of of God. This is a heart issue. That word precious is very interesting. I'm still paying the price for saying it's, it's a weird Schmiegel word in Lord of the Rings, but precious really means, I actually spoke about this at a funeral yesterday, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious really means it's the one whose guys, who God's eyes are upon. And so here the Lord says, my eyes are upon the woman who lives like this. Verse 5, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women, plural, okay, who trusted in God, that's what makes us holy, trusting in God, also adorned themselves, and the idea is continually adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as, and he gives us the example of Sarah. Now if you say, well, you know, I don't know about that, Sarah had her issues, So it's not a perfect woman, it's someone who trusted God. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now here's a story from our house. You know, I said to my wife one time, I said, you know, I think you should call me Lord. Because that's what Sarah called Abraham. And do you know what that beautiful, kind, sweet woman said to me? You're no Abraham. (laughs) Now some of your versions say, Master... I should have started there. That's a terrible choice, by the way. I should have said, why don't you call me master and then worked my way down to Lord? You know, that way of business negotiation didn't go so well for me. So anyway, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Not afraid of what? Not afraid of obeying the Lord. So it's okay to look good on the outside, but somehow... Submission here is tied to inner beauty. It's tied to the way the Lord looks upon the heart. Outer beauty fades, but the inner beauty of the Lord never fades. Husbands, man, we got to remind our wives of that. We got to really remind our wives of that. I call that countenance. Mothers and fathers and grandparents, we have to teach our young girls that. We live in this dysfunctional, looks-pressured world. we got to teach them about the inner beauty of the heart. Ladies, we need to, I'm not we, you, y'all, need to be reminding one another of that. That that's the beauty that God really sees The inner beauty is a work of the Holy Spirit. Husbands, be on the lookout for it. Please look for it, cherish it. It is a gift from God to you. 
my sisters, please. I know when I go to the checkout counter that there is, the, the real war on women is the way you're supposed to look. And I hear that even in Christian circles, there is a competitiveness about the way women look. That's awful. That will lead to so much dysfunction. Wives, the Lord wants you to be beautiful for your husband. And he wants ladies, all ladies, married or not, the Lord wants you to be beautiful for him. Peter says true beauty is gentle and quiet in spirit. Now I know on, on one extent as, you know, surfacey people, that sounds really lame. You know, if you said to a guy like, hey, I got a, hey, my, my, uh, my wife's friend's coming over. Maybe she would be good for you. What's she like? You're like, she's gentle and quiet in spirit. Your friend's like, I can't come. <laughs> but did you know gentle is the word that the gospels use to describe Jesus Christ? That's why God says that way of living is very special to me. That way of living is what I have my eyes upon. Almost like God saying, I can't take my eyes off such beauty. It describes someone who's not demanding. Someone who doesn't always have to have their own way. And it's a result of a continual trust in the Lord. That's a word we come across so often in the Bible because the Lord delights in being trusted. In fact, that's the entrance to heaven, is putting your trust in him instead of yourself. Sarah did it in Genesis, even when Abraham was being a complete knucklehead. Because it wasn't because she thought, oh, my husband is better than me. No, it was because she was trusting the Lord. And the Bible teaches that the Lord will reward our trust in him as we trust him for eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, but also as we trust him in the midst of the constant changes in our lives, in the ups and downs of our lives. What Peter's referring to here happened in Genesis 18. They had been promised Abraham and Sarah a baby, and they never had one. And they were going through the pain of that for years and years and years. And when they were really old, the Lord comes along and says, Sarah's going to get pregnant. And Sarah said this. She said, I'm, I'm too old. Some versions translate it literally, I'm worn out. There's no way it can happen. And she said, my Lord is old. Now, some versions say, Master, terrible translation. Lord is a term of respect. It is a term of honor. She says, listen, I'm worn out, but the man I love, the man I honor, he's old too. Now, some of us rent, right? We should have respect for the landlord. Whenever I rent anything, the landlord walks in, I go, oh, the Lord is here. The landlord. Don't forget, buddy, the landlord. <laughs> no, she's respecting him. She's honoring him. Ephesians 5.33, the apostle Paul Concluding his remarks on marriage, the great section on marriage, and he says, 533, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Treat your wife the way you want to be treated. 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wives, your husband wants and needs your respect. That is so huge, Tim. If you took out the word submission and you put in the word respect, you'd have a million guys go, I'm loving that. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Change by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 